Hello and welcome to another episode of the Audaciousness Podcast with me, Helen Strong. And me, Maribel Ortega. In this podcast, we showcase individuals who have set themselves bold and audacious goals and have worked to achieve them with the aim of inspiring others to also set themselves audacious goals and to create a positive movement in the world. We'd like to highlight the fact that even regular people like you and me can have audacious goals and that role models are in fact all around us. Each and every one of us can have an impact in some way. Thank you for joining us. We're delighted to have you with us. So this is an episode with a difference today because we're coming to the end of the of season two of Audaciousness. We've had two seasons now and we've interviewed 40 guests in right. total. Mm-hmm. And um, we're working on a book at the same time. So we've interviewed these 40 people, 40 fantastic, um, amazing, audacious people, and we've transcribed their episodes and pulled out lots of brilliant tips and wonderful stories. Right. Um, and we're putting that together um, in, in a book at the moment. Mm-hmm. And as we come to the end of Audaciousness, the podcast, and the start of Audaciousness, the book, we've got a couple of more episodes for you Mm -hmm. and these last two episodes are going to be quite different because we've decided we're going to interview each other that's right (laughs) so tell us about who you're going to interview today Helen so I'm going to start by interviewing Maribel so this episode we're going to find out about Maribel and in the book Maribel writes or we both write a little bit about our own history, our own stories, Mm -hmm. um, and why we are the people to write this audaciousness book and to have this audaciousness podcast. Um, And so this is a very special episode today, because we're going to find out a little bit more about Maribel, and what it is that makes her so audacious. So Maribel, (laughs) can we begin by you giving us a summary of your of your life today, a brief summary of your life and some of the audacious things that you've done so far. Mm, my life in three minutes. Let's see. I have been seeking. I have the feeling I have been seeking for something uh, all my life and wanting and wanting more. I spent the first 23 years of my life in the Dominican Republic and I've always, living there, had the feeling, I, I want to experience more. I, I want to go out. Um, th- during that time, and because of where my country is uh, located geographically, there's a lot of influence from American society because it's closer and you have cable TV. And, and that's kind of like what you see in Europe is so far away. and. I actually wanted to go to university to, to the U.S. And I was even accepted to, uh, to Duke University. But um, yeah, it, it didn't work out because it's just, as people might know, it's just like horrendously uh, expensive. And, and my parents were like laughing. <laughs> you expect us to pay how much? <laughs> and it was just like a dream. I thought, oh, I just, I'm just going to, to apply. And, and, and it was like this wish to to get out. Uh, 
because Dominican society is, at least at, in the 90s, chauvinistic and, and very um, much, yeah, very conservative to my, to, to my liking. And I wanted to experience more. So, yeah, so my way of getting out was uh, getting married. <laughs> so I got married. Not a recommendation to young women listening to this podcast. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't repeat that. I, I would have tried another way. I mean, if, if I were able to, to choose again, uh, then, then I would probably cho choose myself and, and, and try my my experience get that experience and desire to for adventure in another way um so i gave up five years of med school because it was not what i really wanted to do i lived in in chile for two years and and in zurich in switzerland for for about a year and then i finally came to germany where i was able and I think that was an audacious thing I I I was I started studying literature which was what I really all my life wanted to do when I was 26 so I was for I was an old student uh, compared to what I was I was with 18 year olds I, I was an old student and uh, compared um, and and I had a one-year-old daughter so I was a mom Of, of, of a baby going to university and yeah my, my experience as a university student was completely different to to what the general German students with 18 or 20 experience there there was no parting for me because well I had to take care of this uh, little girl and baby and that took a, a lot of time and I, I loved it I enjoyed it and to be honest those five years when I did my my BA and then MA in American uh, and, and British literature, that was the best time of my life. I was, that was, I was doing exactly what I wanted. I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I wish there were no summer breaks. <laughs> I wish it would have continued because I was reading fantastic literature, talking about literature, writing about literature. Um, so so I, I, I really, really enjoy that time after that I, I i moved to munich and started working i i started working as a business english teacher i hated it because i was in love with this academic idea of language and 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 teaching business english was like oh again these people don't do same mistakes and i just found it boring until I started understanding business more because I, I, I had never worked at a company. Uh, so, so there was for me like zero business background. And when I started understanding more of how companies work and what the purpose of their meetings and, and their need for communication was, then I started getting interested in, oh, they're communicating with other people who are also second language speakers so it's their second language or third language and and that became a lot more interesting and at the same time I was teaching at the university here in Munich and I remember asking one of the students uh, I taught Spanish there so 
you're almost finished with, with your BA. What are your plans? And one, I, I remember this young woman answering, anthropologies when I'm studying. Well, I don't know. The, the answer will come. And I remember thinking, Jesus, no plan at all. This is, I'm sick of university students. So you see, like the, the pendulum changed from loving academia to thinking, what is going on in their minds? They're in the clouds and, and not like thinking of how am I going to make a living? What am I going to do? Oh, mm. no, things will, will turn out. Well, that, that's what I thought at that point. So moving away during a long time, I, I, I worked uh, as a language trainer and then communication trainer for big language schools that paid very little. And it was like a, a race rat that the more you, you, uh, I'll, I'll use uh, on word commas, the, the more you taught, I don't think it was really teaching, it was just working, doing mm-hmm. something, um, the more money you got. So since I'm just one, it's absolutely not scalable. And um, they, they just pay, pay, paid pretty badly. So I think the second or another uh, audacious thing I did was leaving that, I don't know if it was real security, but that felt security that that language school was going to give me enough classes to uh, leaving that to, yeah, to being completely self-employed and and having uh, my own clients. And that was one of the best decisions I, I ever took. Because, well, I was able to, to raise my prices, to choose with whom I was going to, to be working. And in that time, I started playing around or discovered coaching. And that's when it hit me. Wow, I don't want to teach language anymore. This is what I want to do because I can create such a, a the, the impact that I can create can be a lot bigger. And that helped me also move on with my own uh, personal development, which I think is another another audacious thing that, that I had to do. I mean, everyone has some kind of uh, small trauma in, in their life, but the, the way that, that I was brought up, it I have been dealing with the consequences of that or, or what I wasn't able to learn in terms of being um, assertive or confident. I've been dealing with that my whole life. Uh, so coaching helped me help myself <laughs> learn about myself, understand a lot about behavior, how people, how I was behaving, acting and reacting. And, and that improved uh, my life uh, a lot. And then I think one of the last audacious things I've done is this podcast mm. and everything that and everything else that it, it, it kickstarted a process in my own life and my own personal development that I had no idea on that summer that I told you, let's do a podcast. <laughs> I had no idea what would that mean two years later yeah certainly snowballed since then hasn't it yeah Yeah. (laughs) absolutely fantastic what a lovely story Maribel as as you were talking there so there's certainly some audacious things in there involving personal things in terms of you know your personal relationships deciding you know to get married to get divorced to get married again Mm -hmm. and 
moving to another country, taking decisions to do with your personal career or your study. So that there's lots of kind of big moves which have gone on in your life. And, and as you were talking, some of the, the things that you were talking about, for example, when you left the Dominican Republic and left Chile, I, you know, I felt your mood kind of go down a little bit. And then when you talked about studying literature, you're, you're bouncing all over the place. And, and you know, yeah. you, I can feel the, the shifts in the energy as you're talking about these different, you know, episodes in your life. And what I was saying was a kind of, and this is because I'm a visual person, I saw a graph, you know, going up and down of the, of the moods, maybe, if that's what, what, we, what we want to term it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering whether you see the same thing. Do you see the highs and lows in your life in that way? And can you say something about, you know, the highs and lows in your life, how you got there, how you stayed there, how you recognized when you were coming into a low bit and you needed to come out again? Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, get, getting out of the low of the lows, I can tell you already, it needs some kind of action. You need to to do something. So, so yes, certainly there there are like in in I guess in, in everyone's life there are there are highs and and lows. And for me, highs are always moments where new things are coming where I am experiencing new things where there's some kind of adventure and a little bit of uncertainty or some kind of unknown thing that that's coming that's coming up and downs arrive when things stagnate uh, that when when they when when things stall and and it becomes repetitive I've never thought about that actually, but it's true that I'm someone who needs some some kind of adventure, at least an, an intellectual kind of challenge. And and I would say what one big low moment was when I realized that I couldn't finish med school, that I that I was studying the wrong thing. I felt miserable the last two years. It just took me a long time to make the decision. The last two years that I was miserable learning all these symptoms and secondary effects of stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't care. I, I don't, I don't want to do this. And, and Chile was, was very interesting during that time. I, I wrote a lot and I, I went I took writing classes because, you know, Chile has, has a lot of, uh, in Latin America, famous, famous writers. So it was like this opportunity to, to like get involved in and meet people who are writers. But then I got pregnant and it was like, oh, I was not expecting this. So life sent me a, a task that, yeah, that, that just came as, as a surprise. But certainly that was not too difficult for me because one of the things that, that I have had to steer in my behavior is being too empathetic and too other-centered. So back then, I was 25 when, when I had my, my daughter, that was like, okay, taking care of someone else, like no problem. And, and kind of like I erase myself like I don't need anything and I give it all to to this little person and and that's why during the time that I that I was in Erlangen going to university it was that part 
was about me uh, and about what I wanted. And that's definitely a super extra high <laughs> because I finally did what I wanted. I had studied medicine because everyone in my family, oh, you're so very good. You're good at everything. And medicine is a very good profession. And you know what the path is. And I remember thinking, but I don't really care. I don't want to yeah. know what the path is. I want yeah. something exciting. And, so, and, and that was, I remember going to my first university lesson at university in Germany. And I saw the blackboard that it was able to, you can move it up and down. And I, I come from this, you know, Dominican mindset where schooling is like, there's no money for schools. And, and if you have a chalk, it's like the teachers have to bring their own chalk to, to, write, to write on the blackboard. Wow. And I was like, oh my goodness, these like university professors, they do this for a living. This is not their hobby. And they write books. I was like, I, I was flabbergasted by that. I think that was one of the things that, um, that impressed me so much and learning about it. I love the English language and learning about its origins and the British Isles and the story. Oh, it was just amazing. Um, but my relationship was, pretty much not good <laughs> uh, and and after that that came that that's where I, I hit another like really deep low and and it took me like I think I, I thought about this for two years what am I going to do about this I didn't want to get divorced because my parents got divorced and and what kind of um, example is this for my daughter and like rip the family apart and am I going to do this so again it took me a long time to make a decision and I was still at university and how am I going to make money and 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 be able to sustain a life for myself and my daughter and you know and, and all these things until I just realized I need to do something and it's worse staying here and being utterly unhappy, and that being the example that, that I give to her. So even though I was terrified, I didn't really know how I was going to make a living because uh, I had just come out of uh, university and didn't have like a real a secure job. I just had to do it because I needed to preserve myself. And again, even though that was a low, it was a moment where I chose myself mm. and I couldn't make this decision I don't know what would have been if I would have stayed if that would have been the be a better decision for my daughter I don't know it's well it's <laughs> 20 years too late to think about that uh, and at that moment and that's what I needed to do and and just to, to answer specifically your question, as I said before, the, the way of getting out of a low is taking action. Mm -hmm. And do you think that you've, you know, over the years, um, as you've accrued life experience, have you become more adept at recognizing when you're going into a law and that you can take action before it's too late because you mentioned then you waited two years you know you said you were unhappy for two years has there been a difference that you can put the brakes on and take a different course of action as you're getting older and having more life experience so far I haven't been able to take action before the low comes 
what I think that has changed is the time I need to take action. That when I see, oh, this is already like quite wrong uh, or I, I, I don't like how whatever it is, either the relationship or, or my life situation or work, whatever, that I then make a change a lot quicker than I did uh, when I was younger because, well, I know myself a lot better. I am more confident and I guess I, I know life better than, than when I was um, in my 20s. I guess now that you're asking it that way, that would be um, that uh, that would be the next step to to make a change before there's even a low to to realize that things are going south and 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 that I need to reroute or or, or change something because that that would spare me a couple of months feeling. <laughs> I'm feeling bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then the question is, do we have to go through those moments in order to know, you know, what it's like and therefore to to, to give us the boost that we need to get out of it? You know, this is a question I, I, I don't know. You know, because when you when I look at my my life as well, I also say roller coasters, but then I I say the you know the negative part of it or the low part is a gift to tell me what I don't want. And if if I was on a kind of, you know, on, on just a going trundling along at the same level, mm. I wouldn't get the difference between the highs and the lows. I would just be at the same level. It might be even boring. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking from listening to you, it probably <laughs> would be boring for you. <laughs> it might be boring if it's always uh, the same thing. Well, what, what I've always seen in myself and also in in, in my work is that it needs to come to a point that a situation bothers you enough, you know, that the pain is so big mm. that you have to change, that you just can't stand it anymore. And, and that is probably like the, the push you need to, mm-hmm. to say, okay, something's got to give yeah. and, and uh, let's see what it is. Um, yeah, that's a good point that you that you feel the pain rather than sitting in a, in a depression for a long time, you know, sitting in, a, in law for a long time, you feel the pain and you do something about it because it obviously means something to you. Yes, I mean, it would be ideal if, if we are able to be in a situation and see because I think we see that things are changing and that things that you might need to do something. But until now, I haven't been able to to act in that moment. And it mm-hmm. could be the problem that, that it's my own life because, you know, distance gives you clarity mm-hmm. in whether it is analyzing someone else's life. I mean, it, you know that have you had, you probably had the situation that a friend has a problem and because you're not in that emotionally involved, it's a lot easier to see solutions yeah, yeah. And, and options but when you're involved in your own life, well, if you're not emotional about it, who is going to be? <laughs> yeah. So I guess the key there is then removing yourself from the the emotional embroilment in in the in in whatever the problem is, and observing it from as as an outsider type of thing. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking what what would be a good strategy for that because you also get that with your own life mm-hmm. when you analyze things of the past. 
because you you're not involved in them emotionally, emotionally anymore, yeah, yeah. and you can see them with this like neutral logical perspective yeah if someone is able to do that that that, that would be amazing w- one strategy that i'm thinking about now is that i could try for a next time i hope it's in a couple of years <laughs> because i don't need another low soon uh, <laughs> would be to at that moment ask to speak with have a coaching conversation ask to speak with someone to help me see that situation from from that distance that clarity gives if if I feel like I'm not doing alone uh, if I can coach myself you know Mm -hmm. Uh, there's there's a next challenge for you then (laughs) oh well actually that would be great (laughs) quite an exciting one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Maribel, I'd like to go back then to um, to talk about the, the points when you realized this is what I'm doing. You know, this is what I love doing. The studying you talked about and then the coaching was another one that, that I'm getting from you. When you you realize that you are doing what you're meant to be doing, you're following your calling. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about that? How, how did it feel? How did you know? You know, was where was the feeling coming from to say this is what I'm I've come here to do? excitement and alignment and those were two moments where either I didn't need any external reassurance or validation that this is the right thing to do because I didn't care (laughs) because I was sure myself and I, I was connected with my own inner voice and that that gave me this sense of security that this is the right thing even if I didn't know exactly how it's going to end I was just focused on the fantastic positive feelings that I was getting uh, when I was doing that either studying literature or training as a coach and then starting starting to coach and then I remember many people when I when I started my from zero again starting to study because I had already studied five years and lots of people my family and I remember the the family of of my ex-husband really you're gonna start from zero and then don't you want to continue being a doctor I mean that took me years to let go of that idea yeah. that I don't want to finish <laughs> being a doctor. That's, that's it. It was long, but, but that's it. And I remember being criticized, ha ha, you study literature, you're going to be a taxi driver, right? Because usually, well, what kind of job can you get when, when, when you study literature? It's just like any degree in the humanities, it's kind of like difficult to say, this is what I'm going to do. I didn't care. I, they could say whatever they wanted. They could turn red screaming. I, I just didn't care. Mm. I knew this is what I, what I want to do. And, and after I started going to, to the classes and having all these professors from Latin America and also Germans and then British professors, I was like, oh my God, I love them all. This is just like, I, just, I got validation from that. Like, this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the same or something similar happened when I started uh, transitioning to, to coaching. When I did my first training, 
I, I just felt, wow, this is right. Mm-hmm. And I heard also a lot of people saying, but everyone's a coach. Everyone is turning a coach. And are you really going to be doing that? You have like a solid group of clients that want your business English lessons. I'm like, yes, but I'm sick of giving <laughs> business English lessons. I can't do it anymore. I could go mowing the lawn and not do that you know and I hate mowing the lawn um and then the second thing that that showed me time and again and even now is when I coach people and when I see them having an insight and when I see them having results or liberating themselves from all these expectations that they have on themselves or that they have learned from their family or education that they shouldn't have. And suddenly I see them like this huge, heavy weight is lifted and, and start doing what they really, that's just, yeah, it's just such a huge uh, reward. And that's my, that's my, yes, that's, that's my Mm -hmm. validation. And which is nice to have, but I don't even think I would have, I would need that because I just know that it, that is the right thing to do and and that's definitely one thing that i have practiced more and more in the last three four years can i dig yeah. a little bit deeper on that when you say i just know mm. what does what does the knowing feel like where does the knowing sit in your body i would say it's in my chest it's this this warm feeling in my chest that gives me this confidence that I don't need to worry about what anyone else is going to say. I don't care. And we could call it uh, to be connected with my, my inner voice or getting this positive feeling because what I'm doing feels connected with my values. Even if I'm not thinking about it, if I analyze it, then I will say, well, yes, obviously that's connected with my values of helping other people or uh, having uh, adventures or an exciting life uh, or, or learning and, and, and improving myself professionally, which, which are some of my values. But the thing is that this works when, when you allow that communication with yourself to happen and, and, and you uncover all these layers of what your parents said or what your family said or your uh, colleagues or whatever, when you are able to, to just separate yourself from that opinion and not care and say, okay, they, they can have that opinion, whatever it is, but I'm just going to listen to myself and, and, yeah, that, I think that's the explanation of what of what feels right that we've also heard time and again from <laughs> all the interviews that that we've had. And it's kind of like difficult to explain, but it's this like direct communication with your authentic self that knows what you need. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that position, like you said, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. The outer critics, yeah, you're fine. You can have your opinion. I don't care. Yeah. But what about the inner critic? I'm just wondering if, you know, the two times, first when you were studying and then when you were coaching, 
did the inner critic ever come up or was, was the inner critic also gone in those times? I would say that I, I put my inner critic in her place like <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. What, what did you do? <laughs> I, I, I had a very strong communication with her. Uh, my inner critic is myself, my, my five or six-year-old self, who is timid, like very shy. She is dependent on other people. She's a little girl. Uh, but but she's really shy and so has this huge desire to please, especially her parents. And she's very introverted. That was me at that time. So so she's afraid of, of being criticized. She's afraid of, of making mistakes. And that is that voice of, of trying to be this perfect perfect girl that the parents will say oh you're so good she's she she does everything that we say that that kind of thing that that was the voice that was criticizing me oh my goodness you got pregnant and you were 25 and you haven't finished university uh or are you going to get divorced and what about your daughter and my goodness and whatever uh, or, or you should finish, you spend already five years studying medicine, you should, you should finish that regardless that after that you need to do a specialization of six more years, it doesn't <laughs> matter, you know. And I, I think I, I started dealing with that by the time that I, that I got divorced and had to go through all the negotiation of what getting uh, divorced uh, means. And, and, and starting to work and, and building my life. So what I did was to recognize her fear, to recognize that she, was, she is speaking from a place of great fear and need of support from others, as a five-year-old child is, that's normal. And then realizing, well, but I'm not that insecure without any resources, five-year-old girl anymore. I'm 32 or I'm 33. That, that, that was in those years where she got just a little space. <laughs> to, and seriously, Helen, I think in the past six, seven years, I, I, I don't criticize myself for anything. Uh-huh. So Maybe are you saying you had a conversation with her or, or how exactly did it did it work? The first thing in as I said putting her in her place was first creating this persona. Cuz what we usually do is that we do not differentiate our regular thoughts from that inner critic type of monologue or discourse that we also have in our head. And once I knew, okay, this is not me. This is that little girl who is with her uh, voice repeating what all the adults Mm -hmm. uh, and authority figures were saying back then. But is this really what I think? The adult version of myself? So... So, so first differentiating and, and make 
creating this clarity in myself. That's not me. This is just a repetition of what I heard. And I can think on my own what, what I think is right or not. And then what I started doing, it was not one conversation. It was several because it was, it was a process. And I remember whenever I, I had this, this criticism in my head, I remember moving my head to the side and imagining me, myself, like this small girl, and just saying, you know what? It's okay. I've mm-hmm. got it. You, you, you can relax. I, I have, I've got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of like telling her, I protect you. I'm a grown woman. I can take care of it. And, and you don't need to worry. So I think that was the type of conversations that I had to do at the beginning. And after a while, it was just not necessary anymore. And I don't even know if she's there anymore. I, I haven't heard from her in a really <laughs> long time. Wonderful. I think the only criticism that I am finally getting rid of is my, my physical appearance. I think that one is the last one that I need to, to crack uh, because I do, uh, I'm very, or I have been, because it was learned, very critical of how do I look like? Do I weigh too much? Do I weigh enough? Is it okay? What will other people think? And I'm kind of like (laughs) almost a little bit happy that I'm at a moment this year. I decided I'm not going to care about this. I'm just (laughs) going to look whatever I'm going to look like. And I'm just going to eat whatever I want to eat. And I'll just see. And this is, I, I, I can honestly say this is the first time in my life. I'm like, oh, pants with elastic, great. They're very comfortable. <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to fit at 36. Great. I don't care. It's okay. And, and, and giving myself permission to, because I've had all my life a very complicated relationship with food and just giving myself permission to enjoy whatever. In, in this process, what I stopped doing was exercising and that, that, that was bad uh, because I, 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 I need the exercise. But I started a couple of weeks ago and it's just amazing with the little amount that you need to do to see a change in how you walk, in your joints, in, in, in your mood is just important. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm back on track with, with <laughs> exercising and, and not caring about how I look. Wonderful. That's <laughs> lovely to hear. <laughs> so what's next for you, Maribel? Exciting times. <laughs> <laughs> well... In terms of my business, what I've done in the past year is to switch that to a purely online business, as I would say that almost 90% of what I do is online. And um, and, and this was, well, partly be- because of in, in 2020, how all work switched to online 
and and I lost a lot of my uh, corporate clients. I decided, okay, I need to 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 change this so that I'm not reliant on just one 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 type of client. So I've changed that to to more B two C. So working directly with clients and not through an organization through um, a company. And I. I, I have the feeling that that my my days in in Germany are counted. <laughs> I cannot say exactly when when I I, I need and, and I'm going to to make the change or where exactly it's going to be. But I need a change of space and and surrounding, and that's that's what I'm looking at uh, right now. And it's exciting, it's scary, it's, I know it, it's quite a lot of work because also legally and whatever, where you're going to live and, but it, it also brings, any change brings also lots of possibilities and, and that's what I'm embracing and, and looking for. Another big audacious move coming your way. Yes, I can't <laughs> say more right now because yeah. because I, I don't I don't I myself don't don't have the the exact details, but but definitely something something's gonna change and 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 it includes moving. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm, fantastic. What advice, Maribel, would you give to anybody pursuing wishing to pursue an audacious life? My advice is to. If you are not able, if you don't have an audacious life yet, then I would suggest that you analyze within yourself and also with your surroundings, what is keeping you from doing that? Is it beliefs that that you should live this way? Who are you trying to please? Or is it yourself who is keeping you, let's call it small, and, and you're not trying to do things because there's some, how you called it, the inner critic, some inner critic or some critical voice in your head. No, you shouldn't be doing this. To be, to think critically about these things and find out what you truly desire if those voices were not there. And that's a really hard step to do. I think that's the hardest one uh, because we have been conditioned to believing norms and regulations and things of how you should live. And 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 I think that's you you know stripping off that bandaid is is the hardest uh, the hardest part because once you liberate yourself from from these expectations and you can really honestly ask yourself, what do I need? And and what do I really want to do? Then those audacious ideas that they're going to come. And then you you will find out what it is uh, that you need to do. And the rest is, I would say, a bit easier. Because once you know, and, and you have like this, as I explained before, this sense of, I have to do this. At, at some point, you just don't care about anything anyone else's opinion anymore because you're grounded in that conviction 
of what it is that you need to do. You're grounded in the conviction. That leads us very nicely to our final question. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm not going to repeat the whole question for you because you know it already. But what is it that gives you the solid ground to continue despite everything life is throwing at you? Mm. It's the rock inside of me that I have built over the years. And that is my, my self-esteem and my self-love getting there that was that was hard work because when when i left uh with 23 the dominican republic i had very little none so so basically one of the most audacious things in my life has been to discover my inner value and that that is my rock that i've built single-handedly over the years and then knowing that having this clarity allows me to transform myself in the areas that I, because I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm just to a certain degree, I've improved, but I know there's a lot more potential to improving to continue doing that. And when I do that, I know that I'm creating an impact or influencing my surroundings and, and other people. And I would love to leave this earth a better place than when I arrived. And that keeps me the solid grounding to continuing. <laughs> Lovely. What a fantastic answer. Thank you so much for this conversation, Maribel. Yes, I'm, I'm Helen. Yeah, I've been able to dig a little bit deeper into how you tick and, and your background. So, yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode very much. In two weeks, tune in because then I am going to be interviewing Helen and digging deeper into her own audacious path. If you enjoy this episode, give it a like. And if you think someone else would benefit from listening to this conversation, pass it on and share it with your friends and family and colleagues. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.